Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is the Graybar Sports Open Line. Goes bit swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Back at it. It's Graybar Sports Open Line as we uh, take you for another hour, taking you till 8 o'clock this evening right here on KMOX. We have a busy hour this hour. Uh, Mike Tanier is going to join us. We'll preview the conference championship games with him in about 10 minutes. Nate Gatter is going to join us near the bottom of the hour. And we'll talk uh, baseball with Kevin Wheeler towards the end of the hour. So a lot going to be uh, coming up here on the program. Sports producer extraordinaire Matt Pajeski. Are, um, are you familiar with the works of actress Alyssa Milano? No. Really? Not at all? No, nah, that name sounds familiar, but I don't. I couldn't say, yeah. Okay, so for me, I know her best from her role as uh, Sam Maselli on the all-time great sitcom, Who's the Boss? I haven't seen it. You've never seen Who's no. the Boss? I watch old TV, but I haven't seen yeah. it. I mean, the, so here's the problem. You watch, like, really old TV. You watch, like, Three's Company oh, and... Three Stooges. Three, I go older Okay. Than that. So you seem to have this gap in your your television viewing of right, which is kind of like right in my um, uh, wheelhouse, which is like 90s TV. I like Seinfeld. I like Friends, though. This but... is even a little bit before that. Okay. Yeah. Is... So this is a little bit before that, like Growing Pains and Who's the Boss, like classic nope. TGIF type shows. Uh, step by step, you know, never go a little bit of full house. You've never heard of step by step? No, was that? It's a got your uh, no, it's got your uh, your girl in it, uh, who's uh, from uh, Three's Company, who just uh, passed oh. away recently. Um, oh, Suzanne Summers. Yeah, Suzanne Summers. Uh, she was in that show. So, okay. um, anyways, and then uh, Alyssa Milano went on to be in other shows. She is known for uh, the show uh, Charmed. I think she did some uh, somewhat racy stuff at some point Whoa. that I'm not quite as uh, familiar with, but I'm sure uh, people in my age group are uh, more familiar with that than, than me. So there is a reason. There is a reason that I am bringing up Alyssa Milano on a sports program. She is, um, I can assume she's worth millions of dollars. I, I would assume she is still active in acting. In fact, you can pick this up. They are working on a Who's the Boss um, reboot. Okay. Uh, but do you, here's somebody. You know who her dad was on Who's the Boss? Mr. Milano? It was uh, Tony Danza. Okay. 
Yeah, you know, know Tony, Tony Danza. Danza. <laughs> Everybody loves Tony Danza. Show me if if you don't like Tony Danza, text into the program right now and tell me why you don't like Tony Danza. 314-436-7900. Every, I've never heard anybody say a bad word about Tony Danza. So if you, for some reason, do not like this man, this wonderful gift that we have been given, uh, you can you can tell me on the text line. It'll, you'll be the first person to ever explain why they do not like Tony Danza. I am going somewhere with this, by the way. So Alyssa Milano, Hollywood elite actress, um, she's got, I guess she has a son, and she tweeted out, my son's baseball team is raising money for their Cooperstown trip. Any amount would be so greatly appreciated. You can read more about the team and make a donation here. And she tweeted out a GoFundMe link for her son's baseball team to make a trip to Cooperstown. Mm-hmm. So Matt Pajeski, fair or foul, somebody who is worth assuming to be worth, uh, I don't know her exact net worth, but I assume she's worth millions. Somebody who is in the public eye like her uh, asking for money on a GoFundMe for her son's baseball trip. Is that a, is that a good thing or no. is that a not so good That's thing? That's horrible. That's foul. Really? Okay, so you're going completely against that. Why should we fund her own family's trips? I don't get it. I would I would see now um yeah, like if you know somebody personally, there's no problem with that. I I mean, do you I wouldn't a, even do it for a for, for someone that I know. It's your vacation. You do what you want. I'm just Well, I mean, it's a, let's see, it's not a vacation. Okay. It's a baseball trip. It's her son is going to play in a base, I know they do games in Cooperstown. I have I have donated to somebody's uh, trip to Cooperstown before. Somebody that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not donated to just some random celebrity. That's the thing. When you're a celebrity and you're asking for money for something that's connected to your family, like it's not even a cause. It's it's your son's baseball team. That's the weird thing yeah. here. That's it's not, where it's not charity work. No, it's, no one's sick. Right. right. Like, I think it's different. So. Like, if if my daughter has a uh, fundraiser at school, I'll probably throw the link up on Facebook to see if any of my Facebook friends want to donate. Or a company-wide email. You might do that, too. <laughs> I did that last year, and I got in trouble for it. That's Oops. what Matt Pajeski is bringing up. Got a call from the boss who was uh, <laughs> explained to me that that's against HR policy and not doing that again. But uh, I would, I would put up, uh, put that, uh, put it up on Facebook. I would not put it up on my Twitter. So yeah. the difference being is if I don't know you in real life, you're not my friend on Facebook. Uh, Twitter is about like following me for because if you're interested in what I have to say about something, you follow me on Twitter and then maybe I tweet something out interesting every once in a while and you get a kick out of it. That's the goal of it. I'm probably I'm not a especially good tweeter, but that's the idea. So I have I have no problem putting my daughter's fundraiser out on Facebook, but I would not do it for on, on Twitter for everybody to see. And yeah. that's where I think Alyssa Milano made her mistake. She should have only reached out to friends and family. This could be a premise for the new show. It could be. She, by the way, she got she got destroyed, as <laughs> you would expect on social. I mean, just destroyed yeah. on social media. And she uh, sent a follow-up tweet, which more often than not, Cindy, the follow-up tweet doesn't help. No, She uh, sent... I'm getting media inquiries about whether I have financially contributed to my son's baseball team. 
I've paid for uniforms for the entire team and coaches, thrown birthday parties, and sponsor any kid who can't afford monthly dues. The kids also do fundraising themselves, car washes, movie nights, and many other fun things. Thank you to all who have contributed to the GoFundMe. You've made things easier for these boys and their families. Oh, thank you. Thank you. She's got to toss in that she has paid for other things in the past. Oh, yeah. I've done this and I've done that. And this one is just a little bit too much. She uh she turned off responses on her first tweet. That's what people do when they're right about something. Yeah. Do you let's put ourselves in the old echo chamber and let's not get any criticism from anybody out there. So there you go. Alyssa Milano raising money for her uh for her son's baseball team to go to Cooperstown, asking all her let's see how many followers does she have on she has three point four million followers on Twitter. Do we know how much money that the uh, GoFundMe raised, because I'm sure there's enough people that who follow her be like, yeah, I'll toss her a couple bucks. All right, let's go. Let's clues. go take a look. This is really good radio. Um, so far they have raised eight thousand three hundred and forty-six dollars of their stated ten thousand dollar goal. You know what? Only ninety-seven people have donated. When you have three point four million followers, yeah. and when I'm talking about this on this show, like this is obviously something that has reached a lot of people. Um, so yeah, they um. Yeah, that's you know what? Good. Oh, then oh, nine ninety-seven people just donated. They've oh. gotten two hundred and eighty-four total donations. That's still not that much. And who are these people? What are these people doing? I don't. I mean, maybe they're just really big fans of who's the boss. It's like this politician needs my money to help run his campaign. I better better toss him a few bucks. You think Tony Danza has donated? No. Come on, Tony. You know what? Tony should just pay. <laughs> Tony Danza, should, without Alyssa Milano, you're not going to have the Who's the Boss reboot. You need this to happen. So, you know what? They can be. They can change their team name. They can be the Fighting Danzas. There you go. There you go. All right. Up next, we will uh, get back into things that people probably actually take care about, and that's uh, what's going to be happening on Sunday in the AFC and NFC Championship games. Mike Tanier from the uh, Messenger joins us in just a moment. We'll preview a really big NFL Sunday in just a moment. It's a Gray Bar Sports Open Line on KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. 
Pacheco running back Chiefs will use the shotgun motioning left is Harden. They give it off to Pacheco slamming on the left side angling into the end zone touchdown Kansas City. Back at it on a gray bar sports open line a huge NFL Sunday coming up. We'll have the Chiefs broadcast for you right here AFC championship game as the Chiefs are going to uh, match up against the uh, Baltimore Ravens. And then later in the day, NFC Championship Lions and 49ers. Very happy right now to uh, welcome back onto the program. He uh, writes about covers of the NFL for The Messenger. Does a lot of other stuff as well that's really, really cool. He is Mike Tanier. You follow him on Twitter at Mike, T-A-N-I-E-R. Mike, thanks for taking uh, time with us today. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to hear South Jersey's own Isaiah Pacheco on that last scoring a touchdown on that lead-in uh, clip you played. You can make the argument that he's probably a, a top, not counting Patrick Mahomes, but weapons. He's definitely turned into a, a top two or top three weapon for that Chiefs team. Absolutely. It starts with Travis Kelsey, of course, and then you've got Pacheco putting a, a grinding running game, a power running game, which they don't often have. And then you have Rashi Rice emerging from that soup of wide receivers to be somebody that you could count on once in a while to make a play. Everybody has counted out the Chiefs. Not everybody, but most people counted out the Chiefs. This was the year that, you know what, they had to go to Buffalo and they've been an offensively flawed team the entire season. And what do they do? They just, they find a way to win. Is that as much about Kansas City finding ways to win the postseason as it is Buffalo being a, a flawed postseason team? Absolutely. I think you want to not like get too deep into the Buffalo wide right narrative and things like that. It's like, what is this Kansas City Chiefs doing, team doing very well? They're blocking very well up front. They're playing very good pass defense. They're generating a lot of um, pass pressure. And, you know, they, they do blitz, so to speak, because you know, Spagnola sends these guys from all angles. But they're often only sending four rushers. It just happens to be one of them's a, a cornerback and one of them's a linebacker, and it causes confusion. So they do a lot of things like that. They play good special teams, which the Bills can't always count on, et cetera. And they've been able to manufacture victories. You don't think of the Chiefs as manufacturing victories. You think of them as blowing opponents doors off but throughout this season they've had to do that because they're not scoring points the way they used to they had to be better in all three phases if the bills couldn't beat them at home this year do the bills just need to really start rethinking what they're doing it's more a matter of when you look at the bill's salary cap and their veteran situation right now i don't have the numbers in front of you but there's something like 50 million dollars over the cap and they've got about 10 defensive players who are either starters or regulars who rotate in, you know, nickel guys, guys who come in on third downs, et cetera. That means, you know, to get under the cap, there's no way you can keep these guys. So this is a team that's going to lose a lot of its depth. It's going to lose some of its starters on defense. Um, and, and they've lost some of their weapons on offense as the you know, last couple of seasons going on. So the Bills might be looking at a uh, situation where they have to like reboot a little bit while Josh Allen is still in his prime, maybe step back for a year and see if they can find a way to then step forward. I asked this question, next question, fully knowing that the 49ers are the betting favorite to win the Super Bowl this year, but are the Baltimore Ravens the most complete team in the NFL? They are, and the reason, you know, right now the 49ers are the betting favorite because they have a higher probability of getting past the Lions than either the Chiefs or the Ravens do to get past the Chiefs. So if you have to bet right now, you bet on the 49ers because you have a much better chance that they reach the Super Bowl than you have for the Ravens or Chiefs. But the Ravens are absolutely the most complete team. You look at everything, offensive line, pass defense, run defense, special teams, kicking game with Justin Tucker, and, of course, Lamar Jackson. And you don't see anything, I guess, running back. 
you can look at running back and say that's kind of a weakness because they've had so many injuries there. But even in terms of that running game, because they have a smart running game, they've got Lamar, they've got depth, running game is not even really a weakness for them. So if the 49ers and Ravens were to match up, would you expect the Ravens to be the favorite team? I would think that because they beat the snot out of the 49ers in like week 17 that they would, but I'm not sure. I did see early lines that had the 49ers are a favorite. So we'll have to see going into that and, and look at things like who's actually healthy when those old lines were posted. Not only was Debo still on the injury list, but so was Andrews and so is Marlon Humphrey. I would guess that it would probably be Ravens by about a point or two. That's that's kind of funny. People don't think about it that way because you're right. They're they're the Super Bowl favorite because their path is a little bit easier. But yeah. there is certainly a scenario where they win their game and they go from being favored to win the Super Bowl to being favored to lose the Super Bowl. Exactly. With two games out, the probability is yeah. a little bit different because there's two stepping stones. Um, who do you like in this Chiefs-Ravens game? I like the Ravens for all the reasons you said. Yeah. Again, I'm impressed by all the things that the Chiefs have done, how they've sort of pivoted a little bit when their receivers have been playing poorly. They've had this chance to develop rice. They've, they've kind of learned a little bit what they can't do with some of the guys they have out there, and they still win these games. You look at Ra- the Ravens, they don't have weaknesses like that. And seeing that Andrews is going to play at tight end, you have a team now that hasn't really missed him because Isaiah likely has been playing so good at tight end. And all the things the Ravens can do offensively. Now they can go out there with two tight ends, two star tight ends, and you're stuck looking at this and say, okay, two tight ends and a running back in Lamar. Are they running? Are they running an option? Are they passing? They, they're going to beat you with the blocking with those two big guys. It's a hard team to, to deal with on offense. as a team that can shut down. We've seen them shut down some of the strongest opponents in the league already. In the NFC, as Mike Tanier is continuing to uh, join us here on the program, (laughs) NFC Championship game, it feels like the Lions are the sentimental favorites for the the vast majority of the nation that doesn't have a real rooting interest in this team. But at the same time, it it feels like the 49ers are the better team. They are the 49ers are the better team top to bottom. And if you watched the Lions defense against the Buccaneers. The Lions won that game and you know they kept the, the Buccaneers arms leg. It looked like, you know, if the Buccaneers were a little bit better, if the quarterback was a little bit better at Baker Mayfield, if they had any more, you know, uh, talent on the offensive line, that the, the Lions were just gonna get smoked because they, they don't have the, the, the secondary, they don't have experience at linebacker. Teams can pick apart that pass defense. That pass defense is now going to be facing Debo Samuel and George Kittle. And, and then Christian McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk, and then they have this like other set of guys that they can go to if you somehow uh, take care of all those guys. And I feel like the Lions defense is just going to get picked apart over the middle of the field by all these guys we know can catch that short pass and turn it into a substantial game. The 49ers, I know when they had their little losing streak, there was a lot of players that weren't available for them, and they're they're a different team now. But they did show that ability to kind of all of a sudden fall off out of out of nowhere. Is that the hope for the Lions more than just playing their best game? Are they going to need a little bit of help from San Francisco if they want to pull this upset? Yeah, it kind of feels that way because, you know, I, I try to stack up everything that the Lions do well. And it's like, well, Aiden Hutchinson is a great player. That's phenomenal. They don't have a second pass rusher, so you can kind of run away from Aiden Hutchinson when he gets loose. Uh, you know, Sam Laporta and Amon Ross St. Brown are great. They're great on short passes towards the middle of the field. There's no deep threat. Jamison Williams is not the deep threat. So you almost need to look at it and say, what happened during those three-game losing streaks that, that the Niners had earlier in the season? And it wasn't just that Debo was out. It was that Trent Williams was out on offense. It was Christian McCaffrey was limited. So you almost – you don't want to – the Lions aren't going to say we need injuries, et cetera. They need those guys to have a step-down game in some sort of way 
where that is not that part of their uh, the 49ers attack comes unglued, and that gives the Lions an opportunity to stay in the game. Before I get you out of here, the the biggest kind of side story going on in the NFL right now is the fact that it looks likely that Bill Belichick is going to be shut out from the hiring cycle. And when he parted ways with the Patriots, it seemed like a foregone conclusion that he would be coaching somewhere this upcoming season. Now that seems somewhat unlikely. What does that say about teams and, and Belichick and just the, the state of affairs right now that a guy like him and his resume is not getting a job? I think there's two elements that people have to keep in mind is that one, some teams looked at Bill Belichick and, and said, he's not going to fit what we need and what we want to do right now. We don't want to bring in a legend with baggage who's going to take over the entire personnel structure of our team where we have a general manager, maybe we have a team president, and those guys get sidelined. You know, a lot of teams just looked at that and said that's not where we are right now. And the flip side of that is Bill Belichick probably looked at a couple of these teams and said, I'm not going there. You know, Bill Belichick did not say, oh, my God, I better call the Carolina Panthers right now and, and get aboard that sinking ship. He wasn't going to do it. So when you look at the possible fits, you know, the Chargers might have been one. The Falcons certainly was the best one. But there were a lot of vacancies out there where both sides would have looked at it and said, this, isn't, this doesn't make much sense. And remember, Bill Belichick doesn't need a job. He's not hard up for cash. He, he, if, he, if he disappears for a year, his name's going to be up every lip, set of lips every time some team wants to make a big, splashy opening. You mentioned the Carolina Panthers. What are they doing? They gave a six-year contract <laughs> to a guy that has, has, has zero track record. Because they have to, because they fired the last two coaches in midseason, last two years. They've had four coaches in the last two years. So even for a guy like Dave Canales to bring him in who doesn't have a lot of experience, you had to put some reassurance on the table. And the six-year contract is reassurance for the coach and for people around the league that, you know, like, like agents and, 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 uh, and players who might go as free agents to say, oh, the owner, Tepper, realizes he can't just keep firing coach in midseason. So that's what they're doing there. That said, you can see the guys they brought in, Canales, Dan Morgan as general manager, these aren't guys with really big resumes right now. It looks like this owner is going to go with younger guys, probably had some people who he knew were going to tell him no, and realize that you know, from an organizational standpoint, they've got to rebuild from the ground up. They absolutely do. Uh, Mike, before we get you out of here, always like talking to you because we get to uh, plug everything you guys have going on uh, at The Messenger. You're part of just an incredible sports staff there. We don't talk about it in pop culture very much uh, in terms of the sports content at The Messenger, uh, but it's, it's really, really good. That's right. You know, we're a source for politics, news, business, tech, everything else. We got a sports section too. A lot of a lot of people in the baseball section, college basketball section working very hard. Come check it out. Awesome. Very good. Mike, thanks so much for the time. Enjoy Sunday and we'll talk again real soon. You got to take care and enjoy the weekend. Awesome. Very good. There's Mike Tanier joining us via the Quiver River guest line. Up next, Nate Gatter joins us to talk City SC. It's a great bar sports open line on KMOX. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This is the Graybar Sports Open Line. Goes mid swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Continuing on with a Graybar Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. 
My name is Matt Pauley. Matt Pajeski is here. We've got you for about another 25 minutes. Kevin Wheeler is going to be with us in uh, just a moment. But right now, we're going to go to the Quiver River guest line and uh, welcome in a guy that you hear on this station a fair amount. He is uh, the host of the uh, St. Louis City Soccer Report. Sometimes when I'm not hosting Sports Open Line, he's hosting Sports Open Line, and he does lots of other things. He's our very, very close friend, Nate Gatter. Hey, Nate, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. So, uh, City plays a preseason friendly today down in Port St. Lucie, Florida. They play to a uh, two-two tie. Anything to uh, to take away from this one? Um, I- I'm always hesitant. I mean, people, you know, I think this is some of still the fact that that things, with the exception of the playoffs last year, have really never turned sour for this fan base. People are very excited. Still, a new team and a new team that's really never steered them wrong. So, people get very excited about just seeing them back on the field, which, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but certainly I, I don't, I don't take much from this. Um, certainly not more than you would say spring training games with the exception of the fact that they tinkered a little bit for, with formations, which I thought was interesting. Um, not necessarily a, a big deal. We don't know. Maybe Bradley Carnell was just trying to make sure he got everybody on the field because they essentially did what they did in the preseason last year, which is play 11 guys for the first 45 minutes, play 11 different guys for the second 45 minutes. Um, and I think maybe the fact that they used five at the back in the second half, a, a back five with essentially three out and out defenders and two wing backs is interesting. That's something they tried a couple of times last year, uh, particularly that Seattle game relatively early in the season stands out. It did not go very well. Uh, but of course they've added two new fullbacks in the off season. Um, and, and that could really change their ability to, to play a formation like that. That's going to rely on, uh, on wing backs a little bit more. Um, they used two strikers in the first half, one in the second half. So just a, a different kind of formation. But again, I, I think it's hard to say um, at this point, whether that means Bradley Carnell is thinking he wants to use a different formation or be more fluid formationally this year, or whether it's just that was the way he was going to get all 22 guys on the field that he wanted to, and, and who really cares about the formation that much in preseason. Well, it might be most interesting about the five in the back, because as you, as you mentioned, they brought in two new players this offseason. They make moves based upon the way things did not go so well for them in, in the postseason last year. If they do stick with that with the new personnel, what could be the positive impact of it? Well, I, I think the positive impact would be, in theory, if you play five at the back, it can give you both maybe a little bit more security at times. I mean, we saw in, against LAFC uh, late on in the regular season in the home game, even though it ended a goalless, how much the city fullback struggled to, to cope with some of the high-level technical skill and pace of somebody like Denny Bowanga. Obviously, I mean, he's as good a player as there is in the league, so there's no, no shame in not being able to cope with that easily, but that was certainly an issue for City. Um, then in, in the playoffs, uh, you know, Kansas City did a great job of cutting them open in transition in part by isolating the fullbacks um, and, and creating some opportunities to switch the field and, and have City undermanned. Um, now, the higher quality of these two fullbacks they now have on the team maybe means that those two games would have gone differently even in the same formation. But I think it does, in theory, offer you a little bit more stability of having five at the back if you might need it. And it also uh, potentially widens the field a little bit, allows you to be a little more creative playing from the wings, even in midfield. Um, at times last season, Edward Lupin was having to drop not only really deep, but toward the sideline in order to get on the ball. And in my opinion, it's not good for City in possession to have Edward Lupin with the ball at his feet in his own half all the way over to one side of the field, usually the left-hand side of the field. Um, that for me, is, is he's just not very dangerous there. 
compared to if you can get him on the ball with a chance to play the final pass or even in the middle of the field, 25, 30 yards from goal, where he's also a threat to shoot at any time. Um, So it wouldn't shock me to see them tinker a little bit with five at the back, just because I think it would give them that stability they were looking for and an added wrinkle of creativity that at times, especially down the stretch, they struggled to find when they had to hold the ball for sustained periods of time. Because, you know, keep in mind, that's something that, that City were in some ways exposed in at toward the end of the season. City, the rare team that play better, the less they have of the ball. Generally, when they had low possession numbers, they did well. The higher their possession numbers went, the more they tended to struggle. Um, Sporting Kansas City basically said, here, take the ball. Um, and, and City were unable to, especially in that home leg, the first game, consistently create chances uh, out of even extended comfortable possession. Um, so if I were Bradley Carnell, I'm thinking about those two things, how to be more secure trans- transitionally uh, without the ball and how to be more creative with, when they have the ball in true possession situations rather than where they're most comfortable, which is forcing a turnover and attacking in transition. Because they're playing in the Champions Cup, the season is going to start with three games in eight days, and that's tough to do in the middle of June or July. To do that right at the start of the season is very challenging. Does that add a little bit of pressure to these uh, friendlies and exhibitions and just training camp season that it's very important that they are in as good a shape as possible right at the start of the season? Yes, yeah, a good point. I think it puts a fair amount of pressure on the fitness staff to make sure they're getting everything exactly right because it's a balance. It always is, but especially when you're going to come out of the gates this fast, yeah, you want guys to be fully in the swing of things and ready to go. At the same time, the absolute last thing they want is to pick up an injury or two when the season starts with such a flurry of games. Um, So I think it's it's going to be important to find that balance. Obviously, I'm not an expert on how to find that balance, but City pour a lot of resources and a lot of really smart people into doing exactly that. Uh, they have a ton of data. Uh, they track everything these guys do, and it, it's going to be a, a big part of the of the physio staff, uh, uh, you know, trying to to make sure they have everybody, which again might be different spots for different players, but have them in the best possible shape to avoid injury, yes, in the preseason, but be ramped up to 100% or close to it come February 20th. Before we let you go, it's not that long until you and uh, Jen are going to be back with the St. Louis City Soccer Report. It's going to be coming up mostly on Thursday nights this year, and uh, we're, we're so excited for it. Very quickly, just kind of give a plug for when that's going to be going. Yeah, so we're going to get started. We'll start on Sundays in the old time slot, noon to two, but that'll just be a couple of shows. Our first one, I think, is going to be February 11th. And we'll do uh, two or three shows there before the season starts. And then we're going to generally be on Thursday nights during the year because that kind of works with the Cardinals schedule. And when we have some space, um, you know, it's a a space for people to talk St. Louis City. You know, it's the only um, devoted two hours that we do, although we spend plenty of time on it elsewhere uh, on KMOX. Obviously, uh, we have a lot of great guests from all over the country, some, some really big names who know a lot about the league. So whether you're looking to talk more City or learn more about the rest of the teams in MLS or talk refereeing because we have George Ganser on every week. I mean, there, there's a lot of interesting stuff. I think if you're somebody who, who's got that itch and needs a little bit more to scratch it, uh, we're the spot. And I get to see you every week, so I like that. That's true. We love it. Yes, very good. Nate, thank you for the time. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the games on Sunday, and I'm sure we'll be talking again very, very soon. You too, Matt. Thanks a lot. All right, there's Nate Gatter joining us again. Uh, St. Louis Soccer Report. It's going to start on Sundays from uh, 12 to 2, February 11th and 18th. And then uh, as we get into uh, baseball season where 
Sunday afternoons. They're kind of busy here at KMOX. If you did not know, uh, the show is going to uh, shift to uh, Thursday nights, generally from uh, 8 o'clock to uh, 10 o'clock. So immediately following this show, we'll get into uh, the St. Louis City Soccer Report with uh, Nate and Jen and the full cast of characters uh, that they have involved in that program. So uh, looking forward to that being back once again this year. Uh, Do not go anywhere because when we return, Kevin Wheeler is set to uh, join us. Always like just uh, chatting with him about all things going on with the Cardinals. Haven't really got the chance to uh, come on with him and talk uh, since the Carpenter signing, since uh, the Edmund announcement with the two-year deal, and also uh, the announcement earlier today with them maybe adding to their bullpen for probably later in the season. We'll get into all that coming up next here on KMOX. News Radio KMOX, the home of the Cardinals. Welcome back. It's Gray Bar Sports Open Line here on KMOX. Now, generally on a Friday night, this is the time that we would be talking with uh, Rachel Zimmerman yeah. because of the Rachel Zimmerman show. I'm not Rachel. You're not Rachel. Kevin Wheeler is going to join us uh, instead. It initially was not an instead situation, it has turned into an instead situation. <laughs> Hi, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, Rachel is still in Japan, so. She'll be coming back this weekend and back to normal next week. So Unless she just decides to move there and live there for the I rest mean, of her life. You never know. I doubt it, though. Yeah. Rach, Rach likes everybody. She likes us all too much. Yeah, I would probably uh, agree with that. Wanted to get into a couple things uh, with you. We haven't talked on this show uh, with the last really kind of three moves that the Cardinals have made. So I wanted sure. to get your take on, on all of them. Let's start by going back to Matt Carpenter, mm-hmm. which... This is not a move that was received in a very positive fashion from at least uh, either from a majority or vocal minority, whatever it is. Uh, People feel like the Cardinals could have done better, but the Cardinals keep telling us that uh, this is about providing leadership in the clubhouse, and that's what they want to get from Carpenter. Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's nothing to be angry about because there's no risk, right? You're you're paying the minimum, so if you end up saying it's not working out, He's not hitting in spring training or whatever. You can move on from this, and it's there's no you're not bound by it. Um, I have a tactical question about it, but I'm not angry about it, right? I mean, like, who's going to be the middle infielder on your bench? I mean, you're going to have Matt Carpenter, Alec Burleson, Yvonne Herrera, and Dylan Carlson on your bench when you're facing right-handed pitching. So, like, there's to me the the practical side of are you covering all of that? Now, you do have players that can move around, right? I mean, Donovan can play most anywhere, uh, probably except center field. Right. Uh, although I wouldn't want him at short. In an emergency, you can do it. Uh, obviously, Tommy Edmond plays everywhere. You know, Mason Wynn should be on the team. And I'm assuming he'll be on the team. So that you've got you've got some people that can move around. But I'd still say that you, you don't have as what you would typically look at as flexibility for those days when, say, somebody's a little banged up and they can't go and you don't want to put them on the injured list yet. Um, injured list is no big deal. You just call somebody up and you can fill whatever need. So that part was a little weird to me. I think he is a bit redundant with Burleson if Burleson's on the team. I mean, those are just your two left-handed pinch hitting types, right? right? Um, and I would think that Burleson is going to get more starting time than Carpenter would when those opportunities present themselves. But so, so I think there's a little bit of cannibalism there that if, if you're playing Carpenter, it means you're not using Burleson or you're not because they are kind of the same guy in the sense that they're limited defensively. They don't run very well, but they can hit. You mentioned you don't want Brendan Donovan shortstop. He's probably going to end up playing some shortstop. Yeah, at but some I mean, point especially this year. Off elbow surgery. Yeah, but so your backup shortstop is Tommy Edmund, yes. who, who's your everyday center fielder. Right. That's not the most optimal situation. No, and, and again, it doesn't have to be optimal to work because, you know, Dylan Carlson plays everywhere in the outfield. Lars Newtbar can play everywhere in the outfield. Um, 
So you got two guys that can play center if you need to move Tommy Edmond to shortstop. I'm not saying it doesn't work entirely. I'm just saying it's a little bit of an odd mix. And you've got two guys that are essentially identical. Um, you know, it's coming off the bench. And when Carpenter's getting at bats, it means guys like uh, Yvonne Herrera and Alec Burleson probably aren't. And I know they're going to want to play Herrera at least somewhat regularly. Right. And I'm sure that means Contreras at DH at least somewhat regularly because you want his bat in the lineup. I mean, he was he's one of your better hitters last year, and he kind of he's your five hole, right? I mean, that's your guy hitting right behind Goldschmidt and Arenado. So or Goldschmidt, Newt, Bar, Arnaud, whatever, however they order it. Um, so there's that. But again, in the end, you can always change up. You're not bound to this. It's not an 11, 12 million dollar contract where you're like, well, we got to keep him around. Um, so there's that part of it. I think the the negativity is about what they're not doing more than what they did. Right? It's le- yeah. It's less about Carpenter, and it's more that people are still craving bigger. But you're not getting bigger for your bench. Like, you're just not doing that. No, and the other side of this is, you know, somebody's going to say, well, he's taking a 40-man roster spot. If they were willing to make this move, they were never going to sign a position player for right, that 40-man right, right. roster spot. Right. I don't I don't think anybody was – I didn't have any expectation that they would be bringing in a position player of any significance. If anything, it would be someone that's just a utility infielder. Yeah. I mean, and that's an, – and, and by the way, a utility infielder that you're not going to expect to play very much. We're arguing about the 26th guy. Basically, yeah. Yeah. It's like what I always say about the fifth pitcher in the rotation. Grand scheme really doesn't matter. You don't, you're not going to win big or lose big because of who your fifth starter is. No, the only, the only, uh, I, I wouldn't even say disagreement. The only thing that I would uh, expand on when it comes to that is the better the top of your rotation is, the less the bottom matters. But the lower the top yeah. end is, the more the back end matters because they got to put in some production. Right. Well, where the where you want your fifth starter is to give you the inning, so you're not yeah, totally just, messed up for yes, the next few right. days. Right. So you want it to be someone that's not going to blow up the bullpen, right. which last year wound up being more than one person in the rotation. Yeah. Yet Flaherty was doing that. Wainwright was doing that. Um, even Michaelis at times was doing that. So. Uh, you know, Matt's early in the year, <laughs> they had a bunch of guys that were blowing up the bullpen. So that'll be one of the things that we hope is different this year. Tommy Edmonds back on a two-year deal yeah. to avoid arbitration. I think now you can look back and say, when you saw the difference in arbitration figures, you knew they were working on something bigger. It made sense. It didn't. Yeah. Make, there's just no way, especially when you're not talking. If you're talking about four hundred fifty thousand dollar difference. And one submitting five hundred thousand, and the other one submitting nine hundred fifty thousand. That's a big gap in a percentage, right? When you're talking about six, seven, eight million dollars a year, it's that's so little. You would figure, you'd think they figured it out. And of course, they did. Yeah, uh, we found out earlier today the team signing Josh James to a minor league contract had some big league time in Houston. Eighty-seven games, twenty eighteen to twenty-one. Throws hard, averaged thirteen point three uh, strikeouts per nine innings pitched. He has not pitched anywhere since undergoing flexor tendon surgery back in October of twenty twenty two. He's not appeared in the majors since uh, twenty twenty one. If it works, it's a really good signing. If it doesn't work, well, it's a guy on a minor league contract. It's a depth guy at AAA in in your worst case scenario, right? Yeah. Um, what's nice about him? You mentioned the strikeouts. I mean, this is a guy that when he was healthy, 2019, 2020, somewhere in that range. Um, you go look at, at baseball savant. He, he was in the top five to 10% in major league baseball in fastball velocity. And he also had a slider. That's a wipeout slider. Um, his biggest problem is command. He doesn't, he, he doesn't throw enough strikes, but you know, we've seen people at times figure that out Yeah. now. Who knows? I mean, look again, it's a lottery ticket. You just went out and spent $2 on a lottery ticket. 
you might get nothing for your $2, and you might win $10, or you might win 100 or you might win $50,000. you are probably not going to win $50,000, though. I, again, I think whatever negativity is there is the, is the worry that all of these kind of depth moves from the Rule 5 pick to – um, the you know to Riley O'Brien from Seattle to all you know all those guys that they've added means they're not going to add another established bullpen piece. I think that's the worry, and that worry might be right. It might be. I still think they have one more move to make. I hope so because yeah. I, 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 but guys are starting to come off the board. Yes, they are yeah. finally. You know, like just just this week, you had uh, Stevenson go to the the uh, the Angels, the Rangers uh, yesterday the Ra- signed yeah, the Rangers uh, Robertson. Just, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, so yeah, uh, so yeah, they're yeah, yeah. John. Uh, I was going to call him John Robertson. I don't know who that is. Uh, <laughs> but that's, to me, where the worry is coming from. I, if you're worried about the minor league deals they're giving out, I mean, it's still dumb. It's, 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 it, there's no point. If your worry is they're going to just say, we're going to solve this with these numbers and not get one more established piece, I think that's a valid concern. Because I still don't think you have enough known commodity for the back end. 100% agree. One hundred percent agree. They need one more pitcher at least. One more would yeah. be what. And again, doesn't have to be a closer. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about one more guy that you can hand the ball in the seventh inning where when you're, you're like, up by one, and you trust that they're going to get the outs. Somebody that's got yeah. a major league track record. Yes. I would love another lefty. That would work too. Matt Moore sounds great to me. Yeah. Uh, it also should be noted, like JoJo Romero did not break camp with the team last year. No. There's going to be somebody who's in AAA when the season gets started yeah. who's going to be getting very important outs for the Cardinals by the time the season Absolutely. ends. Absolutely. That, that's the point of all these depth yeah. moves, right? Is you want to have enough guys to get through the year if things don't go as planned health-wise. Kevin, good to see you. Have a great weekend. All right, buddy. Have a good weekend. Go Lions. But yeah, you're a big Lions Go guy. Lions. Go Lions. I'll, I'll be, we don't I'm really have you. a cheer or a song or anything that I know of. We're, just, we're, we're new to this being good thing. Make one up. Or just Let's just growl. Go, Lions. go yeah. Lions. That's Kevin Wheeler. This has been a Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Look forward to talking to you on Monday right here on KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.